when people consciously, purposely sort of make a decision, I'm going to build my personal brand, I think that's not the right thing to do. And I think what you do is you create a great product, you create a great service, and your positioning, your branding happens to you because of that. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Guy Kawasaki, who's the author of Wise Guy, Lessons from a Life. He's also the chief evangelist of Canva. By the way, Melanie's also been on the podcast a couple years ago, an online graphic design tool, which we actually use a ton over here for the, the things that we do. He's a brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz and an executive fellow of the Haas School of Business at Cal. He also was the chief evangelist of Apple and a trustee of the Wicca Media Foundation. I could go on and on. I, I read, he's got a couple books. I read uh, Enchantment a couple years back when I was first getting started in my entrepreneurial journey. And I'm, I'm going to tell uh, Guy a story a little later uh, about our interaction around the book. And um, first and foremost, Guy, I guess, uh, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. I'm in Santa Cruz today. Terrible weather. So yeah, it's sunny over there, huh? No, it's not. It's, it's raining over here in LA. Yeah, no, it's raining here and it's got a like 25, 30 mile per hour wind. So basically there's no surfing right now. Ah, well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. So, Guy, I mean, your story is it goes way back. I mean, I've seen you speak a couple of times live in person, a, a, you know, like entrepreneurs organization event, just everywhere. So uh, I don't know where you want to start with this, but who are you and what is your story? Well, I'm a 64-year-old guy and I have four kids and one wife. And I work for Apple as Apple software evangelist, chief evangelist. Started some software companies, and today you're a chief evangelist of Canva. I have a mantra for myself, which is basically to empower people. So I like to empower people with my writing, my speaking, and my books, and my, you know, investing and sometimes advising. Love it. And so what does that mean exactly? Because you, you were the chief evangelist at Apple and then now at Canva. And Canva's, we're talking about how they're crushing it now. So what does an evangelist mean exactly? Uh, evangelist. The word comes from Greek words meaning bringing the good news. So what an evangelist does is bring the good news of his or her product. In my case, I did it you know, well, several times, but the, the two major cases are Macintosh and Canva. So the good news of Macintosh was democratizing computing, and the good news of Canva is democratizing design. And so um, you know, we, we spread the good news. Great. And so for you, I mean, personally, you, you were this chief evangelist, you were working for Apple, but also at the same time, you started to build your own brand around that, right? You started to write these other books, you started going around speaking, you started to make this Guy Kawasaki brand. So how, was that very thought through or how did that even end up happening? Not at all. So, and in fact, this brings up a very good topic because I think that when people consciously, purposely 
sort of make a decision. I'm going to build my personal brand. I think that's not the right thing to do. And I think what you do is you create a great product, you create a great service, and your positioning, your branding happens to you because of that. As opposed to, I hear people who have a plan that, you know, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to have a podcast, I'm going to position myself as a thought leader, I'm going to do outside speaking, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I can honestly tell you that Steve Jobs, and I don't know Elon Musk, so I can't tell you for sure, but I also can tell you, you know, Melanie Perkins, people who do great things, they don't sit down and say, I'm going to build my brand. Steve Jobs says, you know, I'm going to build the best computer or the best phone or the best pad or the best pod. And Melanie democratizes design and Elon Musk is making cars electric and sending rockets to Mars and boring through LA and, you know, creating batteries and doing all that kind of stuff. And then guess what? When you pull it off, you have a personal brand. But it's not because you wrote a white paper and decided to position yourself as a thought leader one day. Right. And so what I'm hearing is it sounds like do good work first and then the other stuff, the accolades, the branding, all that stuff comes after, right? Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you you know, you most of the time you're putting lipstick on a pig. Yep, totally. And so, okay, we know, I mean, you know, I've heard your stories around Apple. Maybe you can tell a fun Apple Steve Jobs story first before we start going into Canva. Then I want to talk about your book. Okay. So uh, one day I'm sitting in my cube working and he shows up with a stranger, asks me what I think of a particular company. I tell him the company's mediocre, the product is mediocre, doesn't take advantage of Macintosh's WYSIWYG color, etc., etc. And after I go on this diatribe about this company, uh, Steve then says to me, I want to introduce you to the f- CEO of the company. <laughs> so I was basically ripping on his company in his presence. Which company was that? Can you reveal it? Yeah, it was a company called Nowhere, K-N-O-W-A-R-E. Ah, okay. Educational software company, knowledge software truncated to Nowhere. That's, so that, that says something, right? He, he brings this guy up to you and he doesn't even reveal who he is, doesn't try to stop you. He lets you go all in. Absolutely. But you know what? I passed the Steve Jobs test because... Steve probably knew that the software was crap. So if I had said the software was great, then Steve, he might have fired me on the spot. <laughs> I mean, so, you know. For not being honest. Well, it's two things. It's not being honest and not being smart. Both of them are kind of unforgivable. But if if I were smart and subtle, that might have been okay. But if I was dumb and really thought the software was great, I would have been out of there. Right. Okay. Makes total sense. And so, okay, when I think about you being become, do, doing the, the work of a, of a chief evangelist, I mean, what, is, what does that work kind of entail for you? And then what, what kind of results do you think you achieved as part of that role? Yeah. So uh, for me, a chief evangelist is primarily an outward focus uh, position, particularly at Canva. So my job is to go all over the world telling people about Canva, demonstrating Canva, being online about Canva. In a sense, it's the purest form of sales. So the difference between evangelism and sales is that sales usually has your best interests at heart, right? So I'm a salesperson. I want to make my commission. I want to make my income. I want to make my quota. And evangelist has a different attitude. Evangelist says, I want you to be able to make better graphics. I want you to be more creative and productive by using a Macintosh. Now, don't get me wrong. It's also good for the evangelists. I mean, after all, we are employees. But the focus is 
telling you or asking you or suggesting or promoting to you that you use something in your best interests, which, by the way, also honestly does benefit me. Right. The funny thing is I remember when I was uh, – actually, I used to watch your talks on like this is how Guy Kawasaki does presentations, 10, 20, 30, right? And then you would talk and talk and talk and then you would say like – but you, you you take these digs like Windows sucks or like you got to use Mac. And then I'm like, God, what is this guy talking about? Because I was a full PC guy at the time and now I'm like all Apple, right? And I, I kind of credit <laughs> a little bit of that to you because – I'm like, because I remember these little things, right? So it's like, that's the power of evangelists. And guys, by the way, Canva, I mean, they're, they're a unicorn now. They're valued at over a billion dollars because they're doing so well. So I definitely recommend you check it out because we use it, uh, whether it's designing for ourselves or, or designing for, for clients. So Canva, what's the story behind that? I mean, how did you even get involved with Melanie? Uh, that's another great story, uh, which has a lot of wisdom to it. So I was very active or I am very active on Twitter and I had a person helping me. So she would use Canva to make the graphics for tweets and Canva noticed that I was using Canva. So they reached out to me on Twitter one day and you know, I get the tweet and I say to her, so is this the company that you use to make graphics and it's good, right? And she goes, yeah, it's very good. And I said, well, should I help them? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, I'll help them. And two weeks later, they were you know, at my house and you know, the rest is history. So it's purely because I listened to someone who knew better than I, <laughs> not because I was brilliant. So did they, what, what happened? You said, hey, guys, fly from Australia, fly to my house in Santa Cruz. Well, no, they were already going to be in in uh, America. They are coming for a social media marketing world conference, and so just happened to be that everything just you know sort of threaded the needle. And at that point, very few people had heard of Canva. They were still fundraising, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you know, if I may pat myself on the back, I added credibility to them at that point. That you know, Guy Kawasaki is part of our team. And, you know, he evangelized Macintosh, he evangelized Canva, that should tell you something. And so, you know, in a sense, uh, I brought cred to them. And ever since then, you know, they're just been, we sign up literally tens of thousands of people every day. So you can make the case I'm getting less valuable. <laughs> <laughs> Diminishing returns on Guy, huh? That's right, right. I mean, it's true of everybody. Might as well admit it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, what if someone wants to you know, follow Guy Kawasaki's path? They want to become a chief evangelist down the road. Let's say I want to become an evangelist. How would I structure a deal with a, with a startup? So I, I want to be an evangelist. I want to help blow you up. What kind of upside can I get as an evangelist? Well, I mean, in Silicon Valley, or in, in at least in America, you know, you would do it for stock options. So, you know, my deal is stock options, and if Canva does well, I will do well, and if it doesn't, I won't. I mean, <laughs> it's that simple. So that's that's. You know, but I I am an extreme case because I'm 64 years old, and so I've had you know 44 years to amass an amount of money, and another you know, source of income like speaking so that I can shoot for the moon, aim for the fences, whatever analogy you want to use, and I can do a pure options kind of deal. So that not, now that might not be true of many people, but still the point is not so much that you understand corporate finance and options versus pay and, you know, various forms of liquidity. The key is that you pick the right rocket. And so I, I call this guy's golden touch. And so guy's golden touch is not that whatever I touch turns to gold. 
guy's golden touches, whatever his gold guy touches. And so, you know, when I figured out that Canva was gold, I touched it. It's not because I made Canva gold. And how did you, how do you evaluate if something is gold or not? Like, how did you determine that Canva is the right thing? Because you, you got in one when they're still getting started. Well, it was because of my assistant who really understood social media. And she said, this is really good. And so I listened to her. I mean, you know, there's some wisdom right there is to listen to people who know more than you do. Great. And so, okay, people are probably wondering right now, okay, Guy, that sounds good, you know, taking options. How many points do you think, you know, you should take? How many points did you ask for or or in in scenarios like this? There's no good answer to this because it depends on the stage of the company. It depends on what kind of business, you know, some people may not want options or they they may want to change the mix of more steady income for less options other people want to just shoot the moon and pure i mean you can't really answer this in a real seed stage company or or it's two guys in the garage and you're the third guy or two gals in a garage and you're the third gal i don't know you know five percent there you go. Yeah, it's not half a percent and it ain't 50%. But a later stage, and, and Canva was later stage, you know, it's less. But uh, an important point I want to make is I think people, they obsess about valuation and percentage points and all that, right? But the, the way you should look at it is, at an extreme example, is it better to own one-tenth of a percent of the next Google or 10% of the next failure. Right. And the answer is obvious. So, you know, what you should focus on is get any piece you can of a rocket. <laughs> cool. I, I love it. I mean, you know, for, for me personally, it's, it's you know, it's, if it's advisory shares, it might be half a percent or a quarter percent or it might be 2% or so. Like, you just, like, guy's completely right. It's, it depends on a stage of the company, right? It's, if it's a rocket, just get on. If we could go back in time and get a quarter point of Google... You would own the L.A. Rams and I would own the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's good perspective. So, you know, it's, by the way, it's like, you know, putting your work into evangelizing and, and promoting something is it takes a lot of work. Right. But it's also something that can it's also very uh, repeatable, too. So it's like you can do it over and over and over. Just you can't do too much of it. Listen, don't get me wrong. You know, being an evangelist is not the same as being a quote-unquote influencer, right? So, mm. you know, it's not like I'm hawking Burger King one day and then the next day it's lipstick and then the next day it's a car. Underwear. And, yeah, and then the next day it's an underwear. Then the next day, <laughs> you know, it is like skin softening. Evangelism does mean bringing the good news. And, if, for example, in my career, I think there's been two major good news that I've brought, which is Macintosh and Canva. And that's between 1987 and 2014. So it's not like, you know, everybody calls you up and they say, well, I got a miracle skin softener. You should become my evangelist. Right. It's not the same as being an Instagram influencer. Okay. It's the, to use another analogy, if you're making breakfast, you can be the chicken who lays a bunch of eggs or you can be the pig who gave his life. An evangelist gives his life. All right. I love that. You sac- you're, you're the big sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about the book. So Wise Guy Lessons from a Life. What is the book about? Why did you decide to do this book after doing a couple of books already? Well, a couple. This is number 15. Wow. So yeah, you just, you, man, you're way behind. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to help people 
to empower people, to help them dent the universe, to make you know a success. And I thought I learned a lot of lessons, and I made a lot of mistakes. I want people to uh, you know at least make different mistakes to learn what I learned, to sort of shorten or reduce the slope of the learning curve. I don't want to oversell the book. Uh, you know, I don't consider this a memoir or an autobiography because I don't consider myself important enough to write a memoir or autobiography. So to me, people who write memoirs are Nelson Mandela. It's uh, Mother Teresa. You know, it's Elon Musk. It's Steve Jobs. It's, you know, those kind of people. It's not Guy Kawasaki. Guy Kawasaki has put together some really interesting and powerful and useful stories but I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, they're, they're not going to make a movie out of this book, okay? Right. It's like chicken soup for the soul, except they're all my stories. Cool. So what's one one story you can draw from the book, one kind of key lesson from there? Okay, so since you're Asian and I'm Asian, I'm going <laughs> to tell you. One day, I'm. It, this is back then when I had a, a 9-11 cabriolet. I pull up to a, a stoplight in Menlo Park. I look over to my left. There's a car with four teenage girls making eye contact, giggling, laughing, you know, and I'm sitting there smug as a bug in a rug thinking, oh, you know, they recognize who I am. It's because of my work at Apple, my work starting uh, garage.com, my writing, my speaking, you know, even teenage girls know who I am. So the girl in the front seat gives me the motion or, you know, roll down the window. I roll down my window. Actually, I press a button and... She leans out and she says, are you Jackie Chan? (laughs) Yes. So ever since that day, my goal in life is that someday Jackie Chan is in his Rolls or his Bentley or his Lamborghini or whatever he drives. And he pulls up to a stop sign and four teenage girls are in a car next to him. And one of them in the front seat asks him to roll down his window. And he does. And she asks him, are you Guy Kawasaki? That's my goal. I love it. Okay, the second story, also pertinent to Asians, is one day I'm in San Francisco at our house. Uh, we live in a very nice part of San Francisco. I'm outside cutting the bougainvillea hedge, you know, clipping the hedge. This older white woman comes up to me and says, do you do lawns also? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said to her, so, you know, I'm Japanese, so you, you think I'm the yard man, right? She goes, no, 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 no. It's just you're doing such a great job on the hedge. I hope you do lawns too. So that's a good story right there, right? Racial profiling, etc. But wait, it gets better. A couple weeks later, my father comes, visits me. He's second generation, I'm third generation. I tell him this story. I fully expect him to go off on this, right? You know, how dare this Holly woman think that you're just the yard man? You went to Stanford, you worked at Apple, you've written books. Typical Asian. Right. <laughs> and that's not what happened at all. So he basically says to me, you know, son, on Union Street in San Francisco, where you live, Asian, cutting the hedge in front, statistically, mathematically, the probability was that you were the yard man. So get over it. (laughs) I got to tell you, Eric, it was a very important, you know, lesson. It says, don't look for problems where they don't exist. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't be thin skinned, you know, man up, rise above it. It was a very valuable lesson. I love it. Cool. It's, it's got the racial profiling lesson. I mean, there's good lessons from that. There's all kinds of good lessons in that. Yeah. Great. Cool. And so some of the other books that you've written. So why, I guess, why 15 books? What have the books done for you? 
You mean besides royalty? Yes, besides royalty. You know, first of all, I wrote my first book in 1987. It was called The Macintosh Way. And I swear to God, Eric, I, I thought, okay, you have one book in you. And that was 14 books ago. And so I really – I don't know how this happened. It's not like I was in high school or college and said, you know, someday I, I want to be an author. Not at all. I think the genesis for me is that I write a book every few years when I have something to say. And every time I finish a book, I think, okay, I've said everything I know. And then there's another one. Yeah, but it takes a few years because, you know, I'm not this unending source of wisdom. So I can tell you, generally speaking, I didn't have a master plan for my life. Okay. So I just did stuff as it came. And, you know, I didn't have a plan for Canva. I didn't expect Canva. I wasn't looking for a job. And I just decided to write this book one day. Yeah, my, my take on you is you kind of, you just kind of go with the flow and things happen in your life, right? And I think maybe that's one of the key lessons you might have in your book. And I, I haven't I haven't read the book yet, but I'm willing to bet it is. I think that may be slightly inaccurate is that I don't just go with the flow. That implies that I don't control my own fate. I don't work my ass off. Oh, no, no, I'm not implying that. I'm, I'm implying you do do that, but then things happen around you. You know what I mean? And you take advantage. Once I take a hold of something, there is no stopping me. But I can't tell you that I plan what's going to take a hold of me. Right. You know what's interesting? So I've had uh, people on this podcast before. They're just like, Eric, you got to do the book. You got to do the book because after you do the book, it changes your entire life. So apparently it's changed your life 15 times then, huh? (laughs) Well, but are they telling you that because now you're going to be a thought leader and you're going to have more income and all that? Are they telling you you got to do the book because you have something to say? Yes. They say once you have something to say, do the book and it will change a lot. Yeah. Okay. Then that's true. But if they're telling you, oh, Eric, position yourself as a thought leader, you need new friends. Right. Agree with that. Cool. So working towards wrapping up here, and here's the story I want to share with everyone. The guy, guy's taught me a couple lessons. Guy doesn't realize this, but so, <laughs> you know, in addition to me reading his book, watching him speak on stage, uh, having him on this podcast, when I was about 25 years old, so this is seven, eight years ago, I emailed Guy. And I said, this is when I was working a job that I didn't like. And I was like, guy, like, you know, do, do you think I should quit my job and, uh, you know, start a business or whatever? And the guy sends me a response. He's like, you mean not go all in on what you're doing for somebody else? And I was like, oh man, I was like, man, this is really real. Cause like at 25, I really <laughs> didn't know much. And what happened was you actually motivated me to work as hard as I could. And at 26, I became a VP of marketing at a, at, a, at a startup. And that startup actually ended up doing well. And I busted my ass there. And I went all, I worked seven days a week. That's yeah. clearly like an Asian thing, right? <laughs> but after like, that, that really helped a lot. And, and I just want to re- remind you and, and thank you for that. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad it turned out well. It worked <laughs> out. Yeah. Good. But anyway, so, you know, where can people find, I mean, all the books that you have, Wise Guy, Lessons for a Life, is that all on Amazon? Where can people find it? Yeah. There are, well, it's it's not out till February 26th. I don't know how fast this will come out. And yeah, it'll be on Amazon. It'll be everywhere. And if they want to learn more, just go to GuyKawasaki.com. And I have, a, I have sort of three tabs, you know, my background, me as a speaker, and me as a writer. So, you know, go to the books tab and and – Everything will be there. Cool. So I want to work towards wrapping up with a couple more questions. Um, can you maybe you, – you've given a couple of stories already, but maybe a story about uh, one big struggle you faced while going through your career. Listen, I, I don't want to be melodramatic. I haven't had the kind of big struggle that you make a movie about, right? I didn't – it's not like I got airlifted out of 
South Vietnam on the last Marine helicopter, and I landed in Sacramento with you know a knapsack on my back, and I had to go work at 7-Eleven and study at night. I don't have the Horatio Algier kind of. I had a nice lower middle class upbringing in Hawaii, and I haven't had to overcome knock on wood any kind of medical issue or being abused by my parents. You know, I don't have that kind of trauma. I'm just kind of a you know, I've had a very fortunate life, but not you know, not like uh, I'm not a trust fund baby. So I just, you know, I'm I'm probably I'm not the extreme. I'm not, you know, Donald Trump Jr. And I'm not the guy who just landed, you know, fresh off the helicopter. But, <laughs> you know, the key to my success is I'm just willing to work my ass off. So, yep. Next question for you. So aside from Canva, what is one must recommend tool that you would um, – maybe a tool that you've added in the last year. So it could be like a Peloton bike or some kind of app. <laughs> Hardware or software? Anything? Yeah, anything. Well, I'll tell you the stuff I you know, kind of rely on. Sure. Evernote. You know, Disclosure, I, I have Evernote stock. So Evernote, Dropbox. I, you know, I love LinkedIn as a social media platform because – People are more likely to be who they are on LinkedIn than, shall I say, Facebook and Twitter. Not, you know, not that much has happened in technology recently. I, I use a Macintosh Air, a Mac Air, and I, I use an iPad 11 inch 2018 model. I just got that one. It's really nice. Yeah, I wish a Logitech would hurry up and make a keyboard cover because the Apple one's not that good. Yeah, they, well, you know, the Apple one. They make no bones about it. It's not for protection at all, right? It's just kind of like magnetically stuck on there. I mean, you wouldn't want to drop it with that. And so the I want a Logitech one that uses the smart connection so I don't have to do freaking Bluetooth connections all the time and, and I don't have to charge the damn thing. Because right now, you know, my iPad kit is – I use – believe it or not, this is a magic keyboard. You know, the Apple Magic Keyboard. Oh, you use that with it. Yeah, I use this. And then this thing, it's I have Skype set to the <laughs> fuzzy background, so that's why you can't see it. So anyway, it's just this thing, and then you uh, snap it back here so that it makes this. So then, you know, then you can lean your your iPad against it. And Who makes that? I don't know. I bought it for 10 bucks on Amazon, so it's... I literally don't know, but it's a magic keyboard stuck to this thing. So yeah, I go to a coffee shop, I unwrap this thing, and I stick an iPad there. And uh, you know, that's that's until Logitech gets its act together. <laughs> that's what I do. All right, so so my team's going to try to find that in the show notes, and then we'll, we'll, we'll drop it in the show notes. Um, okay, so aside from one of your fifteen books, what is one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? For sure. If you want to write by Brenda Euland, U-E-L-A-N-D. And it's, it was written for writers about how to overcome the negativity surrounding you and maybe inside of you about becoming a writer. But in any creative endeavor, just substitute whatever that is for write. So if you want to program, if you want to sing, if you want to dance, if you want to play music, if you want to make videos, if you want to start a company, it's the most empowering book I've ever read. Love it. All right, Guy, this has been fantastic. So what's the best way for people to find you online again? Is it GuyKawasaki.com? Well, that's that's my brochure where, I mean, if you really want to see what I'm into at any given moment, my LinkedIn feed, and I'm just Guy Kawasaki there. If you want to see kind of my 
an insight into my personal passions, look at Instagram. Again, Guy Kawasaki. But you know, a word of warning, if you follow me on Instagram uh, – I mean not Instagram. If you follow me on LinkedIn, I am extremely political <laughs> and extremely leaning to the left. So let's just say I resist every day, okay? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Guys, make sure you follow Guy everywhere, literally. Um, and thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.